0: The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord Was so vast the crossing I could never ford. From where I was to His demand it seemed so far Cry, dear Lord, I cannot come. died on oh, when I could not come to where he was he came to me he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin he came to me when i possessed no hope within he picked me up and drew me gently to his side where today in his sweet love i now why he
1: What a song, amen? Aren't you glad he came to you? The Bible says we first loved, we loved him because he first loved us, amen? Boy, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Well, take your Bible, turn over to the book of Psalm, chapter 22, verse 4, would you please? 22, verse 4. I'm going to preach a message I've entitled That's How It's Done. That's How It's Done. And of course, today is Father's Day, and again, happy Father's Day to all the dads. And so today, I I do want to focus on our dads primarily. We're going to obviously address principles, I'm sure, that apply to all, but i tell you what, we live in a generation and a culture of uh, a fatherhood drought. I'm telling you, it is epidemic, uh, the lack of fathers in our homes today. It's becoming more of a problem all the time. And I want to note uh, Psalm 22:4 very quickly, and then I'm going to share a, a, a basically a, a principle or a thought, and I'm going to get, uh, you know, I think we'll have a consensus on that, and then I want to move forward. This morning, it was kind of a meat grinder, and I kind of want to try to direct it a little bit more. I mean, it was just like a double-barreled shotgun all over the place, and uh, so, I mean, I felt, I watched people limping out of the service, and, you know, <laughs> not really, but you know what I mean. And so I want to try to, try to streamline a little bit, and, and that's, I guess, one good thing about having two services on Sunday morning is that you can kind of practice, I guess. Now last week, I, I did, I practiced last week on them again, and, and then I think, I personally think you got the better message last week. I hope this week it's better than this morning ones even, to be honest with you, okay? So we'll see. It depends on, you know, I'm sure the Lord knows exactly who's there and what's needed. Okay, but nonetheless, Psalm chapter 22, verse 4, our fathers trusted in thee, the Bible says. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. Now, I like that. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. I mean, the Bible says here that our fathers trusted in you and because they trusted, thou didst deliver them. Well, I want to tell you something. We, we as dads are going to need some deliverance today. I tell you, we need delivered by the hand of the Lord. Now, I want to begin by, by asking a question and, and I just are making some statements. First of all, I think that what we're going to find today in our world, okay, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm talking about across the board. You know, we've got all these, uh, we've got all these protests going on, we've got all kind of upheaval in our nation, there's racism, there's all this stuff that people are talking about, you know, systemic racism and all that, and whether or not you believe in all that or not, that's, that's up to you. You can see the facts for yourself. But here's the bottom line. I think it's all rooted in one concept. It's a Darwinian concept, but here, watch what I'm going to say to you. I believe, okay, and I I think that I have, uh, there's something to this. It all depends, everything in our culture, everything in our world kind of depends on your perspective as to whether or not mankind is inherently evil or inherently good. Okay, uh, it really gets broke down to me. I feel like that's the crux of this issue. Whether, whether, it's, whether it is, whether it has to do with, with everything that's going on now, whether it has to do with everything in the past, whether it's everything in the future, when it's all said and done, we are going to create policies. We are going to create um, a culture based on our perspective in this area. Now, the Bible says in Romans five twelve it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... And so, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, let me ask you, if, if we're going to, you got, a, it's an A or B answer, okay? A, all men are inherently good, or all mankind is inherently evil, according to the scriptures. Now, I'm not talking about psychology. I'm not talking about modern culture. I'm talking about just based on what the Bible teaches. What is mankind, A or B, inherently good or inherently evil? Okay, now watch. Biblically, accordingly, the Bible tells us that we are inherently evil. Now what that means is this then. And and watch, how do we solve problems in our world today? We assume that man is inherently good. Therefore, if there is a problem in his life, it has to be an external force that needs corrected. Everything is external. So I'm gonna have to fix my income, my education, my, my relationship, all these different things. I've got to fix something externally so that I can rise above my problems. But if, on the other hand, the Bible's true, and it is, that mankind is inherently evil, then a lot of the abuses we find in the world make perfect sense, first of all. And the truth is, is that trying to fix external issues all the time only fix eternal issues is futile in the long run. And that the reality is, is that the internal aspect of our life has to change, not just the external aspect. And may I say that I am glad to tell you today that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have the game changer. I have Jesus Christ living in me. Now watch this. My circumstances may not be ideal and my situation may not measure up to what even statistically you would hope they would. But I'm gonna tell you this. I've got the game changer on my side if Jesus lives in me and I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't have to be bound by my, the external forces in my life. I don't have to be held back because I don't meet the certain you know, statistically uh, proven uh, numbers or whatever. I'm okay. I can be victorious god can give me victory in my life no matter what my circumstance or situation so watch there are exceptions to every rule then and the greatest one that can bring the exception is jesus christ the major game changer because he moves into our life and truly transforms and changes us from the inside out and when you start changing internal forces then there's true change I said all that because I want to address, unfortunately, a real missing element in our culture today, fathers. And I'm telling you, that issue is affecting our world today. I'm going to say right off the bat this, though, I don't care what Home environment you come out of. I don't care if it was abusive, I don't care if it was a single father, I don't care if a single mom, I don't care what the situation is, Jesus can give you victory in your life. You can be an exception to any rule. So I just want that to be clear right off the bat. But I also want to be clear too that until we make a conscious decision as a culture and as a society to get back to God's word and his rules, his statutes and his regulations, his morality, his ethics. His perspective of responsibility in every aspect of, his, of our lives. We will not see change. I don't care how much money we throw at a problem. Because external forces would only be truly beneficial in the long run if we were inherently good. But we are not inherently good. We are inherently evil. And that doesn't matter what race, what creed, what gender, what nationality you are. We are all sinners at the root. Every one of us on equal ground at the cross, my friends. This idea that, and and I'm glad today. Isn't it a wonderful thing as believers? We don't have to be all caught up in all the mess that's going on out in the world right now. Can I tell you why? Because you know what? We're all in the church of God. I don't care what color you are today. We're all one family. In Christ, we are all one. I'm glad I don't have to choose what side I'm on. You know what side I'm on? His side. I'm going to try to reach everybody I can with the gospel. But we do live in a day where we have to be cognitive and very aware of some of the concerns and problems that we face. And today on Father's Day, I I want to try to speak to you dads. And again, I say the topics, that's how it's done. And so I want to begin by sharing, unfortunately, some statistics that, that, that just are realities. Whether we want to... Face them or not, that's, that's another issue. But the truth is, they are realities. And as dads today in this congregation, we better be honest with ourselves and face up to these realities. Because let me say this, there may be a dad in a home today, but that doesn't mean he's acting like one. So we got to face the reality here. We've got to get to the nitty gritty and deal with life and recognize how valuable, how significant, and how important dads are in the home today. Father, we come to you. We do ask for your leadership today. We ask for your strength in our lives. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to understand your truths and to apply them properly in our lives that we may experience truly the deliverance we need and the wonderful victory that only comes through Jesus Christ. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So just how many children are fatherless? Well, about 24.7 million children in the U.S. don't live with a biological father. Again, this is, a, this is a problem. Again, there, there are exceptions to every rule, and listen, you do not have to be bound as a believer to these rules. I just want to make that very clear right now. Don't, don't, don't think a thing of it. Jesus Christ, God. It, David said, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will lift me up. I got the Lord. The U.S. Department of Education study found that 39% of students first through 12th grade are fatherless. Children who grow up in fatherless homes have a greater risk of major challenges in life than those who grow up with a father at home. We might want to believe otherwise again, and this is very important, but, and there are many children who have overcome these different hardships, but the truth is in the data, and it's something we do have to face. According to Annie E. Casey Foundation's website, National Kids Count, as many as 25% of children in the U.S. live in households with a mother alone. That's over 18 million children who do not live with a father figure. Now, the statistics of fatherless children, just some statistics, the negative effect of a child without a father can be seen in countless studies and reports. Uh, You don't have to look too far. But anyway, the statistics show the importance of a dad and a father figure in the home. According to what can the federal government do to decrease crime and revitalize communities from the U.S. Department of Justice, children from fatherless homes, uh, excuse me, children from fatherless homes account for something. Now, again, this is from, watch this, what can the federal government do to decrease crime and revitalize communities? I'm going to tell you what, our government's really dropping the ball on some things. It's dropping the ball big time. And again, you can throw money at problems, but until this starts getting changed, we got problems. Back in the 1960s, we took prayer and we took, took the Bible out of the classroom. We saw waves of social dissidents, We saw all kinds of dis- distinct things taking place, some good, some bad, whatever. But we watched revolutions begin. Some of those things were positive, brought, brought some opportunities to, to people, but on other hands, it also, and some things that were, were moving forward, like the feminist movement and things like that, began to squelch some other issues among, even that are addressed that are affecting us today in this area. I'm just saying, we had, a, the, it was a rocky beginning back in the 60s and 70s, a lot of things changed that have set the stage for what we now see. And until we understand how to get back to what we need, and I'm not talking about going back to the 1960s. Man, there's a lot of things we want to leave back there. A lot, especially (laughs) bell-bottoms. But I'm just talking about there's things we need to, once again, I mean, I don't know, I want to get into it. I got things to talk about tonight for this uh, marriage uh, series I'm beginning, but... But, boy, I'll tell you, we we have to keep some things in mind here. Now, now watch. According to what can the federal government do to decrease crime and revitalize communities? Again, these are just some statistics that they came up with. They said children from fatherless homes account for 63% of youth suicides. That 90% of all homeless and runaway youths are from fatherless homes. That 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders reflected in fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts fatherless homes. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers fatherless homes. 75% of rapists motivated by displaced anger fatherless homes. When it comes to achievement... And this is a very interesting, and you need to listen very closely to this, because sometimes these statistics get muddied by the circumstance or situation. Because remember, unfortunately, we look at things and say, well, everyone's inherently good. If we only change the exterior elements, then all of a sudden everything will be okay. Watch this statistic. This is amazing. Children from low income, two-parent families, low income, two-parent families outperform students from high-income, single-parent homes. Listen, that's important to understand. That crosses an economic border then. See, most of the time, the world will tell us, well, if you don't have money, then you can't succeed in marriage, you can't succeed in education, you can't succeed in life. Money is not the determining factor, obviously. The negative effect, it goes on to say, again, almost twice as many high achievers come from two-parent homes as one-parent homes. Again, there are exceptions to every rule. Don't misunderstand me. I've made that perfectly clear, I hope. The last thing I want to do is discourage some young person that says, well, I don't have a dad in my home. You got God, don't you? And you got a pastor, and you've got probably a grandpa or somebody there to help work through these problems with you. If you'll give your life to Jesus Christ, my friend, you'll overcome, just like those men we read about. If you'll trust in him, then guess what? He'll deliver you. Think about drug use. A study from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services concluded that fatherless children are at a dramatic, dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. You can get more detailed description of that, but it's not necessary, I don't believe. Incarceration rates. Young men who grow up in homes without fathers are twice as likely to end up in jail as those who come from traditional two-parent families. Those boys whose fathers were absent from the household had doubled the odds of being Incarcerated. Even when other factors such as race, income, parent education, and urban residence were held constant. Listen, that's important to understand again. Once again, it's addressing the external forces. And it's saying even removing external forces, we still see a heightened association, children going into incarceration that are from single parent versus uh, mother and father both. So summarize it all. Research from the University of Pennsylvania indicates the children who feel closeness and warmth with their father are twice as likely to enter college. That's good. Twice as likely to enter college. 75% less likely to have a child in their teen years. 80% less likely to be incarcerated and half as likely to show various signs of depression. I'm just saying today that we need to understand the importance and the value of an involved dad in the life of a child. And listen, this crosses every barrier that we want to address and deal with. This isn't just, uh, this is an American problem. This is the United States problem. This is a world problem. It, it attacks, when we think about a, a child growing up without both mom and dad, what we're really talking about is the breakdown of the home. And as long as there's a breakdown in the home, there's going to be hard to help people find the Lord. It's just a reality because, honestly, we, we get our cue about who God is through our relationship with our Father because He is the Heavenly Father. So if I fail to have a relationship with my earthly Father and I don't understand how that interaction takes place and how it works, then I'm going to struggle with a relationship with my Heavenly Father in many cases. If I can't and and I don't expect love from an earthly father, I'll have a hard time accepting love from a heavenly father. All of these things are factors that we have to be aware of, but it all hinges on this one thought again, whether or not we are inherently good versus inherently evil. How do we address the problems in America? How do we face issues in the home? Do we face it by changing external forces or do we recognize the need to do something about it inherently, inside, internally? And the only one that can affect us internally is Jesus Christ and his precious book. So, I want to give three simple points today to dads, okay? We're going to focus on dads. And here's, I'm just going to share these three thoughts today and we're done. Number one, be involved in discipline. Dad, be involved in discipline. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. In Proverbs 23, 22, the Bible says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Again, hear the instruction of thy father. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee. Once again, the implication is that, Dad, you should be saying something, you should be sharing something, that your opinion matters, that your position does make a difference, and that children are being exhorted and encouraged and commanded to hear your instruction and to hearken to it. So you need to be sharing that. You need to be taking an active role in the disciplining, so to speak, of your children, the instruction of your children. And by the way, the greater part of discipline is training, it is not discipline and training. It is training and discipline. We train our children, and then we discipline based on what we have trained them to do. We don't just go there and say, yeah, that's not what I want you to do. Get across the couch. That's not, what, that's not, that's not how you correct a child. That's not how you deal with problems in the home. You train them, you explain to them, you demonstrate to them, you show them, you make it extremely clear what the expectations are by training them and getting a, teaching them to respond in a particular way. Then if they fail to respond after being trained, you discipline. And I'm just saying, dads, we need to be involved in this process of training and disciplining our children. Your take and your perspective are necessary in balanced discipline. See, the strength and presence of dad is invaluable in this area. It is invaluable. (laughs) Men and women are different, and they parent in very different ways. David uh, Pepeno, he wrote in Life Without Father concerning dads, quote, they have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of a mother, and that difference is important in healthy child development. I don't know about you, but I get a little fed up with the idea that, that moms... Uh, The way, you know, think that, well, dad, you're too hard. And dad say, well, mom, you're too soft. And people don't find a balance in that. Guess what? The balance is in the difference. It's supposed to be that way. That's how it is. But you start telling a guy that he needs to act like a woman. Now you don't have a man's influence in the home anymore. Y'all need to just sit in a circle and and hold hands and say kumbaya and, and hope that the child changes. That doesn't work. In a report by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, it shows that young boys who have a father figure are less likely to act out, and young girls are often more confident. A father can also help establish a sense of security and guide children to make wiser decisions. Now listen, we're seeing some breakthroughs even in mentorship programs. We're not even talking about a biological father with a person. We're seeing that just the, 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 act of the, the active role that a, a, a commonsensical man, or, or, or in some cases a woman in the life of a young lady, can make a tremendous impact in lives. It can, but it still does not replace biological mom and dad. But I'm glad that it can. We can make a difference. And again, with God's help, we can truly make a difference because between Him and those that are willing to put themselves out there and make a difference in a life, it can change a life. The difference in parenting styles is distinct, the researchers tell us. Fathers communicate in a unique way. For example, while a mother will often simplify her language to a child's level, men tend to tell it like it is with no change in vocabulary. Subsequently, this can challenge kids to try and understand what they're being told, which can increase critical thinking skills and subsequently school and future work success. Again, neither is wrong God designed a woman the way he wanted her designed. He designed a man the way he chose to design a man, and he did it with a specific purpose in mind. One of the concerns that we see in our, our world today concerning marriage is that there's been a diametrical shift in the purpose of marriage, where once marriages came together for the purpose of procreating, having children, and raising kids, that's not why we get married today as a whole. Well, unfortunately, children aren't center stage anymore. Although we elevate children, although we put them on a platform, although we, we, we go ahead and we revolve our world around our kids, that's not what the emphasis should be in our marriage. The marriage should be, obviously, our children, which keeps me and my wife together as we nurture and try to raise these kids for God. Things have changed. And again, those are issues, those are external forces at work that are changing the outcome of our relationships and affecting us even in this area of fatherless children. While women tend to be more sympathetic, research says, fathers tend to be sterner. You've never noticed that, have you? Can I tell you that's changing? Can, can I tell you that the bleeding heart as we would say years ago, has kind of migrated into the male person in the relationship? You got a problem. There's a problem when everybody's sympathetic and nobody's stern. There's a problem because that's what, even research recognizes that as a whole, dads respond differently to issues in children versus mom. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. By the way, being stern is not abuse. Matter of fact, it goes on to say, fathers like to enforce the rules with an objective perspective and this can instill in children a greater sense of right and wrong that can last a lifetime. It's not saying that moms can't. It's just saying that the, the dad's perspective and the way dad addresses it, combined with mom and her 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 investment, boy, together they can make a very solid, secure, safe, and strong little guy or gal. So here's what I have to say to you, Dad. Don't expect or even allow mom to take over in this area. Don't do it. Don't just hand the reins over and say, well, honey, it's up to you. Raise the kids. You take care of the discipline. I'm tired. I come home from work. I ain't got time to deal with kids. I mean, I got to watch my favorite show, and I got to sit on the couch and take it easy. You don't know I've been working a long eight hours. Are you kidding me? My dad, you know what? You need to be a major player when it comes to rules and standards in the home. See, your voice should be of the most utmost importance. As the head of the home, and I believe biblically nothing's changed there. As the head of the home, your voice needs to be heard. And you are responsible for both the good and the bad outcomes of that home. So make sure you have the last word. We often say, the buck stops here. Well, Dad, guess what? Biblically, the buck stops here. Now, you may have bought into a societal norm. You may have said, you know what, that's okay. I know today that I I, I lead kind of authoritarian, and authoritarian style is no longer permissible. It's actually abusive. It's so hard and so difficult on mom and the kids when I actually have an opinion and I hold my ground. Let me tell you something. I just want you to know the Bible hasn't changed, and the many woes and ills that we see in our society and culture are not a result of following biblical principle. It's a result of throwing it away and adopting social norms instead of savior direction if someone has to be the bad guy dad and every once in a while it happens it ought to be you both parents must be unified of course in their rules and demands but when it comes down to it the children need to know that these are dad's rules well you know your mom See, so you don't want you going to your friend's house, so you ain't going, I guess. If you want to go to your mom's house, you have to convince your mom. Wait a second. Something just hit me. There used to be a phrase. There was something we used to do years ago. Loser. <laughs> Loser. Oh, mom's a bad guy. Mom's the one that you got to change. you got to go over and fight it out with mom. Why would you put your wife in that position, sir, when you're responsible for the outcome. The concept of toxic masculinity has seemed to permeate into the lives of even believers today. This, this societal trend. I mean, men have been shamed into taking a backseat in the home because, again, the cultural cry of toxic masculinity. You say, what in the world's that? Well, let me just say this: traits traditionally viewed as masculine in the Western culture or society are these: strength, courage, independence, leadership, and assertiveness. Those used to be something that was pretty common, pretty normal, and expected. The concept of toxic masculinity implies that dominance, strength, assertiveness, aggression, and competitive nature in men are characteristics that lead to violence, abuse, and self-destructive behavior. That's what's being trended and taught in our communities and in our culture today. That a man that stands up and says, I will not budge and I will not move, this is right and this is wrong, and this is the direction we're going in our home, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Asserting his authority over everyone like he's in charge of everybody. Who died and made you God? That's the mentality. The media has paraded this pseudo-cycle babble for the last 40 years, condemning these these traditional traits in men while praising them in women, by the way. A man's not allowed to uh, to, to exhibit those behaviors, but a woman is. Can I just, I'm gonna share a truth with you. I'm gonna tell you something that I just don't believe in. I don't believe this for a minute. Now, there may be an exception to the rule, there might be just one out of a million. But let me tell you something I am not convinced that a five foot four, 105 pound woman can beat up a 220 pound muscle man. I don't believe it. I know what Hollywood says. And I know what our, pr- our present-day culture teaches, but I'm telling you, we are not equal in physical strength. A 105-pound man against a 220-pound man is going to have a real rough time unless he is called Bruce Lee. <laughs> the chivalrous deeds of a, the well-mannered man are frowned upon today, aren't they? I mean, he opens the door for a young lady and... If he's not careful, he gets the wrong one. And she says, Why you open the door for me? I can open my own door. What? I'm not trying to put you down, I'm elevating you. I believe that femininity is pure and I believe that it is, it is vital and I think that it is extremely important. And as a matter of fact, I, I think it's to be honored. I wish our men would treat women better. I get sick and tired of listening to the stories of. Uh, oh, but again, inherently evil men doing horrible things to women, treating women poorly—that is not biblical. It's not scriptural. And if you are a Christian man today and you are treating your wife with anything less than respect, my friend, you are, as the Bible, as we as, as we have learned already today, loser. That's what you are. I am sick and tired of the fact when Christian people who have Christ living in them can't make a marriage work because they're too selfish. And sir, you have no right to make your wife feel little in the home. Amen. By the way, wives, you don't have a right to make him feel little either, though. We we're talking about Father's Day, though, so I want to encourage dads today. Listen, the onslaught of such unscriptural perspectives has crippled our culture. And it's contributed to this, a society that, honestly, a society that struggles with gender identity, folks. Men do, I, and people are, well, yeah, men, are, so you, I think men are so weak that they don't even know if they're, what they're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that they've been, I think people have been brainwashing men for a long time. I, I think we're raising a generation, again, no real male authority in the homes in many cases. And then even if, it, I mean, even if dad's there, the authority's not there anymore. And then you take the man out of the home because of of divorce and everything else that's taking place in our culture. Who's teaching them how to be men? I think it plays a factor. You know, the world's all big about learned behavior, right? We become what we've been influenced by. Well, then if boys are being raised by women all the time, you would think that they'd be the first ones to say that there's a correlation between being raised by a woman and wanting to be one. But they don't see that correlation when it comes to that. Because it doesn't fit their narrative. Because they don't believe the Bible, remember? The Bible says he made them male and female. They don't believe that. It's funny how the Bible clears up all this, the, the mess. The confusion goes away if we'll just stick to the book and stop listening to what everyone else has to say. So be involved in discipline. You know what your responsibility as a man is to be in the Bible? All man. Take responsibility for discipline in your home. Take an active role in setting the rules and holding your children to those rules. Don't make mom the bad person all the time. Don't put her in an awkward position where it's always mom. She's the meanie, meanie. Dad's just sitting here on the couch taking it easy, watching you act like a bunch of idiots. And mom's responsible to take care of business. Why you let those kids act like that? Why you let them climb on the furniture? Why are you permitting them do that? And you're like, what are you talking about? My favorite show's on. I'm in the middle of a game. Take an active role. You want to save your family? You want to make a difference in your culture? You want to truly change your country? Then raise some kids that love Jesus Christ. Show them how to be a man in the home, not an abusive person, a man, a biblical man. Number two, be involved in the home. We already talked about that. We talked about being involved in discipline, but I want to really bring on this home now. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Again, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Do you get that? Children are a reward to you, sir. God has rewarded you with kids. Those kids drive me nuts. Man, I tell you what, I just got done working eight or ten hours. The last thing I want to do is go home to that chaos and confusion. I better find some fellows at work and go do something after work. Honey, I won't be home today. I'm I'm going golfing with the guys. Want nothing to do with home. It's so confusing. It's so crazy. Wait a second. I thought you were the head of the home. I thought you were responsible for the home. I know mom sets a a tone in a home, and that's wonderful. And mom obviously has authority in the home. She has to. But you're the head of the home. You're supposed to be setting the standard. If there's a problem in the home, you need to address it as a man. Now, again, I'm going to be honest with you. When I say don't be invisible, I'm not saying you have to assume the role of mother and wife. But don't check out when you check in either. Our children need us actively involved in their lives. They need to know that dad's interested and concerned about them. When I say that men need to be actively involved in the home again, I, I'm, I'm talking about, and again, I, I'm just saying they need to take an active role in life in the home. That's a dynamic that has to be addressed in each home. Don't expect your wife to be the sole take sole responsibility for raising your kids. How many dads have just kind of checked out in that area and let mom handle it? I'm telling you, that's not fair to her. It's not fair to the kids. And honestly, even if she's willing to do that, don't let her. You, you, you do what you're supposed to do. I hate, and by the way, can I just tell you, I hate this mentality that's associated with man caves. I, I hate the man cave concept. I truly do. Dad comes home from work and needs a place to escape the hustle and bustle of life. I mean, he needs his little area where he is king. What? Wait a minute. I thought his house was his castle. But wait, now he is going to be contained to a room? Well, here is a safe zone for dad. Now we have she-sheds. I mean, everybody's got to get a getaway. Everybody has to be able to just separate themselves from the home somewhere, somehow. I can't stand those kids. I need a break. And the guys, gals, all of them. So dad says, well, I'm sole possessor of the remote control in my man cave. I'm gonna be honest with you you come home from work and, 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 and you, you've taken some time to hang out with the kids and do some things, and all of a sudden you sit down to watch some TV. Sir, let me say this. If there's a man in the home, there ought to be a good sporting event on or there ought to be a good shoot 'em up Western. And every kid ought to know it's useless fighting with dad to watch some stupid cartoon because he's watching a Western today. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I know dad could say, well, let's watch a cartoon together. But the fact is, is that why in the world would you need a man cave? I don't quite get it. Matter of fact, I don't know why we don't come home from work and take the kids outside to play. Why don't we go out there and run a race with them? Why don't we wrestle together outside? Now, I used to like the wrestling inside. My wife never liked the inside wrestling. She was always like, don't wrestle inside. You're going to destroy something. I thought, what are you talking about? I bought everything in here. I'll replace it when I get some money. Grab your boy and go change the tire, work on the brakes, wash the car together. You know, what, what's wrong? Take your daughter out, maybe one at a time even, or both of them at the same time. Go shopping at a thrift store. You say, we don't have a lot of money, preacher. We can't do that. You go to a thrift store and you go on 50 cent day. That's when I go to them. I remember the last pair of pants I bought was 75 cents. Have you ever gone to the thrift store and you saw the color and you knew that that color's coming up in a couple of days? And you went back, you kind of hid those clothes. You kind of put them between things and you crushed them in there. And then you went back on your day. It's blue. I'm coming back. And then you go right to the spot and you start digging. And then if they're not there, you're like, who stole my stuff? You know what I'm saying? You don't have to have a lot of money to do nice things together and have fun together. And by the way, sir, I'm going to tell you this. Get involved in the home. Get involved in the lives of your kids. You will be amazed how it positively affects your relationship with your wife in every area. It's amazing how, listen, your wife probably really does love her kids. She may have a hard time with them from time to time, and understandably so. Stuck with them all day long, I get it. But my point being is, is that she bore those kids... She had those kids on your behalf and her behalf. And now, let me tell you something. You show kindness to those kids. You show them a little bit of time and you give them some attention. Mama's going to appreciate it. It's amazing. It'll change your life. At least most of the time. As it did in my life. I I mean, I'm going to get out there. Listen, I, I think it's important. Be involved. Be involved in the home. Sit down to dinner with your family. Share your thoughts on life and living. Listen, be seen and heard, sir. You say, well, I'm an introvert. Talk to your kids anyway. They need to hear from you. God gave you to them for a reason. They need to know how you feel and what you think. And you don't have to be loud and obnoxious, but you do need to have an opinion and share it. Don't be invisible. Be involved. Finally, be involved in spiritual leadership. We talk about this one a lot. I don't really think we need to belabor it that awfully much. But turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. We kind of used this in a series that we recently had, but I just want to bring it back up and then just kind of move forward quickly, and then we'll close. It's so important, though. It's so vital, sir, that you are involved in your you're, you're in the discipline of your home, that you're involved in the actual operation of the home. Listen, I, you know, I never tell my wife where to put furniture in the house. I could care less for furniture as long as it's there. Now, if she went and sold it all and I didn't have anywhere to sit, I'd have a problem. But if she wants to move a couch over here, she wants to do this, do that, fine. Listen, she spends more time in that home than I do. Now, again, I'm not saying that's how you have to do it. Some of you get along well. You talk about where you're going to put your furniture and how you want to decorate your house. I could care less to some degree. I want my wife to have full reign in that area. I want her to decorate how she wants. I want her to enjoy it. I mean, obviously within the budget, and it's very small budget but anyway she does thrift store purchasing but nonetheless the fact is is that i i I don't want to run the house like that i don't want to micromanage my wife she's quite capable she could run a a company she could be a ceo i guarantee you that so i don't have to do everything for her but i want her to know that i'm in it with her now dad also be involved in spiritual leadership genesis 18 19 i'll tell you what let's Let's turn to verse, start, verse 17. We'll, we'll kind of we'll go from 17, actually. Um, i got to get there myself. I got done talking. I, I forgot where I was going. So here we go. Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Now, again, in this particular passage, we know that the Lord shows up along with a couple of angels. They're going down to Sodom, and they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he says, now, should I withhold that? Should I, should I share that news with Abraham? And, of course, he comes to the conclusion, yes, I should. Why? Because I know him. I know that he's going to command his children. I know he's going to command his household after him. He's going to keep the way of the Lord, and they're going to keep it too. See, God knew Abraham would command his children and household. Abraham took an active role in his home. He took an active role in spiritual leadership in that home. Lead the home in family worship. And in prioritizing God, his word, and his house. Don't discard the religious upbringing of your children to mom. Well, you know, she's just a little bit more spiritual than me. Wait a second. There was this thing we used to do years ago. Isn't that what we used to do? I don't know. Or we used to do this. I don't know, but that's ridiculous, sir. I mean, honestly, let's just get back to the nitty gritty. That one I can do, unless I did it backwards. I'm not sure. But anyway, you get the idea. Lead your children to, to Calvary. Show them the cross and show them the Savior. See, he says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God's saying, I know this Abraham. I know that he'll command his children and household. I trust him because he trusts me. See, Abraham understood his role and responsibility in the home. And that role and responsibility was to lead his family spiritually as well. He knew who he was, and he knew what his purpose was. How many men have no direction or course in which they're traveling? How many are still desperate to figure out what they are here for and what their purpose in life really is? James chapter 1 verse 8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How many men are double-minded today? Unstable in all their ways. Sir, find your master today. It's been correctly stated the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom but its master. You need to find your master. And if you'll find your master, he will provide you with his purpose and his plan for your life. And your master ought to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We are are here today gathered as believers, and, and, and most are. And if not, you need to become a believer in Jesus Christ. But he has the answers. If you will follow the master, he will provide you with purpose and a plan for your life. lead in family worship, pray as a family, enjoy God together, and it's likely your children will learn to enjoy God also. There's no guarantees, I guess, but it sure seems that the potential is much higher. And honestly, I just believe he can work it out. I don't care what the culture is. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care what the external forces are. I believe that if we will do things God's way, we'll get God's results. We're not perfect. None of us are. So if there's any flaws in my kids, it's because I had flaws. But it's not the master's fault. Be an example. Be involved in spiritual leadership. Let me close with this. Professional baseball has been played in America since 1875. But on September the 14th, 1990, something happened that has never happened before and Hasn't happened since. Late in his career, Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Sr., who had been a key member of the World Series champion Cincinnati Reds uh, years before that, was signed by the Seattle Mariners. His son, Ken Griffey Jr., was just starting his Major League career. So dad and son playing at the same time on the same team. In the first inning of a game against the Angels, Griffey Sr. stepped up to the plate, he swung, he hit a ball into left center field over the wall, a home run. His son followed him to the plate, and as he took that first strike or two, I guess, he watched it, but then he sized it up, swung, and he watched that ball travel up, 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 and gone. Right over left center field, also. It was the only time a father and son had hit back to back home runs in baseball history. Ken Griffey Jr. had followed his dad to the plate as he made his way around, and he stood there at the plate to greet his dad. And he would later tell us that his father greeted him at the plate by saying, That's how you do it, son. That's how you do it. And of course, Ken Ken Griffey Jr. stepped up and did the exact same thing dad did. They made history that day. That's how you do it, son. We need more dads that can honestly say that's how you do it, son. That's how you do it, son. We need some dads to hit some home runs. Be involved in discipline. Be involved in the home. Be involved in spiritual leadership. So if I could say the message today, I told you there were three points. Here really are the very three points that I wanted you to get. One, be involved. Two, be involved. Three, be involved. Let's hit some home runs and let's be able to look our children in the face and make the statement, no matter where you're at in life, no matter where your, where your children are today, be a dad that can say to them, look them in the eye and say, now that's how you do it, son. That's how you do it, daughter. Let's hit some home runs and show them how to do it. May God help us to be dads, the dads of the Bible, dads of scripture, dads that love the Lord Jesus and reflect his standard in our lives and can influence our children on behalf of Jesus. May God bless us and help us. Maybe you're lost today without him. You don't even know Jesus as your Savior. 2,000 years ago, he died for you to pay for your sin. He took your place on Calvary because he knew one thing about you, just like he knew about me, that we're inherently evil. We're sinners at the very root because of the sin of Adam. And if there's ever going to be any permanent change in your life and mine, it'll have to come through his supernatural intervention. His precious blood must be applied to your account. And his supernatural power will transform and change you from the inside out. Won't you come to Jesus today? He'll change your life. And then you will be on the road to helping others be different. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time we have together. Bless us and meet our needs today. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. Now, Lord, if there be any without Jesus Christ, may you, Father, speak to them. May you work in their life. May you help them to see their need of Jesus. May they simply come forward and see Brother Kavanaugh up front and allow him to direct them to someone that can open a Bible and show them the precious truths of the Word of God. Lord, for the believer today, the dad especially, may we make up our minds to be the kind of dads that are involved. Involved in discipline, involved in the home, involved in spiritual leadership that take an active role in the lives of our families, especially our children. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed today.